Oh, people of Galilee, why are you looking up? He has ascended into heaven and will return just as he went up. And of course, the question for us is, when? We were 2,000 years down the road and we're still waiting. And, and the answer is when we have fully lived the pattern. And it is the Christ pattern. It is the pattern, I think, for every, every living thing, uh, from a flower to a plant to an animal to, to us. And that Christ pattern says this, birth, death, resurrection. Oh, a period of mourning and grief and getting used to, and then, ah, and then a new spirit, an ascension and a new spirit. Uh, that's the, well, that's the liturgy that we celebrate, and the nativity, the incarnation, God becoming one with us in the flesh, the Good Friday, the day when when the evil that is in the world, and there is evil in the world, to say that there is not is to be blind, deaf, and dumb, has its day, has its day, and as all mortal things must do, there will be death, and there is death, but that is never the end of the story, because after the death there is always, always a resurrection. Well, not just in the Christ Jesus, but in every living thing in some way, it's it's got a life after. There is a period in John's Gospel, he's got 40 days, where Jesus, after rising from the dead, is trying to get his disciples used to the fact that he's not going to stay with them forever, and he has to go. It's better for me to go, he says, because if I don't go, I can't send you what you need, and what you need is what I have. And so we go through that grieving and reassuring time of, of, of trying to readjust to our, our new life. And then, and then, that which we celebrate today, the hardest of all, I think it really is one of the great keys of the mystery of faith, the ascension. Today what we're celebrating is the feast of letting go. When I was a baby priest in the all-black parish, they told me there are only things you need, two things you need to know in life. You know these two things, and you will know everything. But go, but God. And yet we want to cling to what has been. We want to hold on to what has been. Mary Magdalene is in the garden, and she thinks that Jesus is the, is the uh, gardener, and then he mentions her name, and she wants to grab him. She's in love with him. And he says, no limit, Andre. Don't, don't touch me. Because there's something new. The, this, is, uh, this is my risen body. I, I am real. But you cannot hold on to me the way you held on to me before because everything's different now. You've got to let go. And as we let go, there is an ascension. And then we allow whatever has gone before us before. And this is the hardest part. To bless us. Even the negatives hearts that have gone on before us, that we have held on to and clinged on to because we thought they were part of our identity. Maybe in our anger or our bitterness, we let them go. We let them ascend. And we allow a blessing to come down upon us because now we're ready 
Now we are naked enough, now we are empty enough, now we are vulnerable enough to receive a spirit that is appropriate for who we are right now. There is a new Pentecost that we are going to continually pray for, and Pentecost happens over and over and over again. This is the pattern, and it is a pattern that is constantly repeated. You know, Shakespeare once said in Julius Caesar, a coward dies thousands of times, a brave man but once. He's wrong. Everybody dies thousands of times, and it's the most brave thing we can do. Well, the baby in the womb has got everything the baby could possibly want. Warmth, comfort, life, love. And then what happens when the time comes? We're told the, the most traumatic thing that has ever gone on in our life, the, the only more traumatic thing that may be was, was when we pass from this life to the other side, when we transition from here to there. But there is great trauma because we are being pulled out of the only thing that we've known and the comfort that we've had and the food that we've had and the nourishment and the love. And now we're cold and dead and damp. And we've died. We've died to that womb. We cannot go back in. No matter how many times when the lightning strikes, we go back in the fetal position. We can't go back in. There's no room in the end. That's over. And so we have to get used to the fact that that's no more. But there is a new life. And then we, we, we end up in the, in the bigger little womb. It's the womb of our house when we're in... We're in uh, uh, the kings of the third and three and four years old running around the house and we own the house and, and at that famous day when we turn five mommy takes us by the hand and says I'm going to take you to some place wonderful school <laughs> I want to go to school I, I, I want to stay where I'm at why because you've got to die to that little world. We're never going to be able to crawl back in that little world again. But what is over here that wasn't over there? And that's the really critical part of the Paschal pattern. Infinite possibility. Infinite possibility. Oh, inside the womb you just have that. Outside the womb you run around the house. You go outside that house and now you can run around the world and you can learn things and see things. That's the process that goes over and over and over again. So the first thing we need to do is claim our deaths. We have all died. Many, many times. Death to our dreams, death to our youth, death maybe to our health. No matter how much I grieve and mourn, for the passing of my hair, it's not coming back. It's gone. It's dead. It's all she so I had better get used to what is right now. And, and getting used to what is right now is a very difficult thing. That's why he, he because immediately after the death, there's always a resurrection. I think the resurrection is really the easy part. The hardest part is the dying. The hardest part is the willingness to let that part of us die that necessarily has to die. But we don't always want it. We had yesterday at St. Michael's two weddings, and those young couples who walked down that aisle, made their vows to each other, were convinced that that marriage was going to last forever. Please God, it will. But I looked over the congregation last night when I was over in Wheaton, and I said, there probably isn't a person in this room for whom... Divorce has not touched them in some way. 
either in their families or in themselves or somebody or a brother or a sister or a family member. What happened? Something died. It, it, nobody wanted it, but something died. And, and, and you begin to grieve. I think grief is probably one of the most un, underestimated and most important things that we need to do, and we're not doing grief very well in this culture of ours. Because the culture doesn't want us to grieve. The culture wants us to get back on with business as usual. The culture wants to distract us from whatever it is. But we've got to see it, and we've got to see it all the way through. Remember when my brother died three years ago, just died of a heart attack. And I was in deep grief because, you know, we were Italian, uh, Italian twins. We were 13 months apart. We did everything together, everything. So half of my soul was gone, and I was in deep grief. And I can remember specifically people were, were wanting me after one week to do business as usual. It's not business as usual. So don't you people understand? My world is just end. No, they don't understand. And yet we cannot skip that part. We've got to grieve and mourn and cry. That's part of the deal. Yesterday I, I got a call, or actually a text, from, from the wife of my, my former deacon in, 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 in Elmhurst, Tom Nolan. Tom, was a, Tom, Tom and, and his wife Mimi, he was my deacon, she was my pastoral associate. They, 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 he came in one day, he says, Father, can I have permission to date Mimi? I said, I don't think you need my permission to date Mimi. <laughs> and they fell in love, and we had this wonderful, because he, he had a six-year-old, so he was able to get a dispensation from the diaconate, so he was able to remarry, and we had the wedding in the church on a Sunday morning. It was just ex exquisite. And for 10 years, they've had the most wonderful marriage that both of them never thought they would ever have. She was divorced. He was widowed. They are now together. Yesterday, she called. She says, Tom went outside, put up the flag. After he did that, getting ready for Memorial Day, sat in the chair, slumped down, and died. And died. And she said, my head feels like it's, it's exploding. The grief, first the shock, but then the grief. And it will go on and on and on. But here's what she knows. Incredibly holy woman. Here's what she knows. For all the pain that she's going through right now, it is better to feel it, look at it, and deal with it than to push it away, and better than had she never met him. For all the suffering that we go through with life, especially at the loss of someone that we love, much better to have, have had it and lost it than to have never had it at all. And so she's going to have to hold on to that grief until she's ready to let it ascend, to let it go, to get used to the fact that she is now a widow. And, and that there is going to be a, a necessary spirit that she can receive for being that widow, but she cannot receive that until she allows it to ascend, allows it to go. It really is today the feast of, of letting go. 
And insofar as we are able to let go of whatever, whatever's gone on in our life, whatever losses we've had in our life, whatever deaths we've endured with our life, as long as, at the moment we are able to let it go, now we are again vulnerable, empty, naked before the divine and are able to receive the Spirit. There are many Pentecosts. We are praying for many Pentecosts. That's the process. That's the process, the pattern that we as individuals called to live. And I believe, well, no, I know, not only is that the pattern of individuals, that's the pattern of creation. That's the pattern of the corporate being. That's the pattern of, of St. Paul. Paul tells us clearly, we are, we are intimately interconnected and connected to each other. We cannot not be connected. And so we as a nation go through the same pattern of life and death and getting used to an ascension. And I honestly believe we as a world, because we are no longer discrete countries, we're, we're a global village. We, we, are, we are one simple global village and everything that is going on is affecting everybody else in this world. And we are seeing it up close and personal right now at this moment because we are going through Good Friday. The whole world is experiencing Good Friday. What's Good Friday? That's the day that the power of evil that loves to lurk in the shadows comes out and exposes itself. And it exposes itself because maybe there is too much growth going on, whatever the reason may be, but it certainly is exposing itself right now in great, great, terrible and powerful ways. In, in, a, in, a, in a virus that has killed over a million people right here, and we are supposed to be the lucky ones because we have the means of trying to protect ourselves. The rest of the world does not. The power of the evil one, Satan, is to accuse. J'accuse. I accuse you. You're the problem. If you were not here, I would not have the problem I've got. The power of the evil one, Diabolus, the devil, the, the, the diabolical one, is to divide. Why? Because if you want power, let me tell you how you can do it. You make them very afraid, you divide and you conquer. And if we can get sisters and brothers to hate each other over a political difference, well, we've won. The power of evil is having a field day right now. We have a, a war going on where one man is able to upset the entire world and cause hunger and famine throughout the world, not to mention the violence and killing and carnage that is spread all over the place. Now, now, after that kind of death, there is a resurrection. There is always a resurrection. But in that resurrection, there's going to be some real serious grief and pain. What are we called to do right now? especially in the light of the deaths of the last two weeks. But what, what do we call, what, we, 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 we are still in shock, but the time for grief is coming.
And I don't think prayers and thoughts are enough. But, but I think there is something that really can work and that I think we all need to do, and that's to look at the pain without flinching and see it and feel it all the way through. That means tears and crying. Claire and Francis used to sit on the outskirts of Assisi every weekend and cry over the systemic sin of the world. That's the name that John Paul II gave it. This is a systemic system. It's in the system. The system that wants to control by power, and it is evil. And I think the very first response is to weep, is to cry. I think that's legitimate. I think it's more than legitimate. I think it's necessary. Now, where do we go after that? No, we, we don't know. I really think globally in what we are going through right now as a nation and what the world is going through right now is not ready for the ascension. We're not ready to, to let it go. We have not, we've not grieved long enough yet. We have not, and we, and, and we have not gotten used to a new normal and may this never be a new normal because this is not normal. Now, the, the last time I think that we were able to deal something like this and let it ascend was after the Second World War when there was as much carnage and six million people killed and countless people killed in the war. We were then able to let it ascend and we were able to be much more united. And we're going through exactly the same thing again on another level. So, uh, so uh, our job is to grieve, to wait, and to keep our eye on the prize. Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. Our job is to keep our eye on the kingdom. It is dare to believe in the midst of the disaster that the hope is there, that the promise is there, that the life is there. And to keep our, and keep our hearts humble and open enough to receive a new spirit, and that spirit may be strong enough to say, enough. You cannot go here again. There is a time for action. There is a time to proclaim action. There is a time to do something about it. But in the meantime, and I really think that we are in the meantime, it's time to weep, but always weeping with hope.